Okay, good, we're live. Uh, good to be back. Was uh, up in Minnesota with Peg uh, watching our grandkids and uh, had a decent time. <laughs> Long ways away, but uh, we need to uh, continue to pray for a few folks here. Melinda Thrasher called me tonight and uh, she was, Brother Todd, getting ready to go to the hospital. She's in such bad shape. Uh, so continue to pray for Melinda. Continue to pray for LT. Uh, I had the privilege of going and picking him up tonight. He's moving a little slow. Monday, I believe it was, he ran out of breath and had to call the ambulance. And he thought, maybe this is it. This is what he thought. And he said he started to laugh. He started to giggle. He said, I, I, I was just so tickled because I thought maybe I'm going now. And uh, lo and behold, you're still stuck with us here for the moment. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> But we need to continue to pray for uh, LT. Uh, Linda Cioli, continue to pray for her. Uh, she really has some health challenges. And uh, John Rohair. John and Renee used to sit right where Lloyd's sitting. And, of course, they moved. And uh, John is now on hospice. So uh, maybe next week Lloyd and I can run out to New Mexico and visit with him. But uh, he, he's uh, not doing well at all. So we've got folks to pray for. And, and, you know, as soon as Melinda called me and asked me to pray, I said, sure. And uh, Peg and I just stopped everything we were doing and prayed for. That's the whole idea. Uh, God wants to hear from us concerning other people. And, and that's the beauty of this thing. <laughs> uh, I've got five scriptures tonight. Five. And then we're done. That sound good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, before I get into these scriptures, I need you to hear this statement. There are some truths about God that we need to grasp. And I mean grasp and hold on to. And this one tonight is one of them. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I've said it before, there's a lot of things about God that aren't true that he's accused of. And the things that are true about him, hardly anybody accuses him of those things. Well, here tonight is one truth concerning God that you need to grasp that will help you in your Christian life. Uh, from what I'm told, Brother Todd, you've already gone through Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. And so it's my job to take it from there tonight. Um, as you know, the whole reason behind the book of Hebrews was to address two truths that Jewish Christians and all Jewish people have a problem with and that is who God is and how he saves now you say well the whole world has that problem I, I, I would agree but especially the Jewish people and so just because a Jewish person got saved didn't mean he still had problems with who God is and how he saves and I explained that a few weeks ago if you recall, in Hebrews chapter 1, the author of Hebrews immediately addresses the subject of who God is in verses 1 and 2. Then he jumps to how God saves in verse 3. Then in Hebrews chapter 2, the author continues with how God saves before going into who that God is that saves us in verses 7 through 9 of chapter 2. Now here's the point, and you need to catch this. 
You must get who God is right if you're going to get how God saves right. Did, did you hear that? You have to get who God is right before you can get how God saves right. Remember the thief on the cross in Luke chapter 23? Remember as he was hanging there, the thief on the other side of the cross was railing on Christ, and this thief said, shut up over there. We deserve what we're getting, but this man between us, he doesn't deserve that because he's not a man. He's God in flesh. So how do you know that thief recognized that? Because this is what came out of his mouth in verse 42. Lord, after he got done chewing out the other thief, he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, he recognized who God was. God in flesh. And then he asked Jesus to save him. He said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So again, once you get who God is right, then and only then can you get how God saves right. And that's a point I think I made maybe a few weeks ago, but it needed to be made again. Now, when you get to chapter 3, you find the author addressing who God is again first. He's, he's establishing this, because you can't get how he saves until you get who he is. I'm sure Brother Todd pointed this out to you in the first six verses, where it's all about Jesus being the builder. Whereas Moses simply served in the house, the Bible says Jesus built it. And according to Hebrews 3, 4, he that builds all things is God. So, I mean, Hebrews 3, 1 through 6 is telling us who God is. It's, it's the one who built all things, and it's pointing at Jesus. Thus, we find the author of Hebrews addressing who God is first before going to how God saves later on in that chapter. Now, let's look at chapter 3 and verse 7, and we'll get through these next four scriptures. Wherefore, the apostle says, as the Holy Ghost saith, and he's quoting the Old Testament, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. In other words, he was saying to the Jewish Christians, don't be like your Jewish ancestors. When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. Don't, don't, don't let God be grieved with you, Jewish Christians, like he was with your ancestors. He says, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath I, that they shall not enter into my rest. They're not going to be able to go into the land of total surrender, the land of promise, talking about Canaan. Take heed, brethren. Notice he uses the word brethren there, so he's talking to Jewish Christians. Lest there be any evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So can Christians, be you Jewish or Gentile, can you depart from the living God? Any one of us can. There's the warning not to. It says in verse 13, but exhort one another daily, and that's what I'm doing for you tonight, so you don't fall or fail as to who God is and how he saves, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now here it is, catch this truth found in verse 14. Notice the first word, it says for. For what? We are 
made partakers of Christ. You, you, you need to look at those three words, we are made. Meaning, whatever Christ receives for being the Savior, we receive for being the recipients of that salvation. This is how the one who saved us will treat us throughout eternity, by making us partakers or sharers of whatever Christ receives. You see, these three words, we are made, come from one Greek word. It took three English words to describe one Greek word. Gagan amen, that's the word. This word is in the perfect tense, the tense of completion. The tense in the Greek that stresses completed action. It is also in the indicative mood, which is the mood of certainty. And the way this verse could actually read in the original Greek is as follows. For partakers of Christ, we have become. As soon as you got saved, you and I became completed action, a partaker of whatever Christ was going to get. Not, well, we'll see if you deserve it after you get saved. Mm, we're already partakers. Meaning whatever Christ receives for being the Savior, we receive for being saved. That's why it says throughout the book of Revelation, and I mean throughout the book of Revelation, that we will rule and reign with Christ. Whatever He receives, we receive. Wow. For partakers, we have become. Completed action. All due to what Christ did for us. The question is, and I want you to hear the question, how is it that God can be so certain about things, including the certainty of our completed salvation? How can he be so sure? How can he, how can he say through the apostle in the book of Hebrews that we have become, pres or, or, or uh, perfect tense, completed action? How, how can he guarantee us these things? That's the truth I want to help you catch here tonight. First, have you ever wondered why can God can make such a statement when it comes to the certainty of our completed salvation? How, how, can, how can he be so certain? This is something you need to learn about God. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able, comes right from that verse. That song comes right from that verse, word for word. But notice those three words near the end of it. I know whom I believed and persuaded that who is able? Yeah, he, God, not you and I. Oh, no, no, I got to work my way to heaven. You know, Jesus dying on the cross for me wasn't enough. I got to help him. Uh, no, you're not able. Only he's able. According to Paul, God alone is able to complete our salvation with certainty, without any help whatsoever from us. Meaning our completed salvation, which is certain, is all based on what God knows to be true. You say, all i got to do is read this and know what God knows to be true. Yeah, but how many read it? I mean, of all the Christians in the world today, and there's, I don't know how many, there's 8 billion people on planet Earth. If, you know, a billion of 
those people are saved, which I doubt, but if there's a billion, how many of those actually get into the book that gives us all this certainty? Meaning our completed salvation is ours for good. This is the truth about God that I want you to grasp. I want to discuss with you how God knows all these things to be true and then be able to tell us these things. With boldness, proclaim our completed salvation with such certainty. Turn to Isaiah 45 and verse 1. I only have one more scripture after this. You say, we're not done here after one more scripture. Probably not. Now, before I read these first four verses in Isaiah 45, I need you to listen to the following statement. And I'm sure... Brother Mark will put it up on the screen for you. God, listen to this. You need to grasp this about God. God has already viewed every possible scenario imaginable when it comes to your life. He saw your life before you were even born. He saw how your life played out. He saw when you got saved. He saw it all before Adam and Eve were ever created in the garden. You say, I just can't grasp that. This is something you, you need to grasp about God. There isn't one human being that's ever been born that God hasn't watched every possible scenario imaginable within that person's life. So, so, you know, he's not surprised at what's going on in your life. He wasn't surprised, Lloyd, when... when when you lost your breath and, and had to call an ambulance last Monday because you thought you were dying. You were surprised. But if you know something about God that you need to grasp, he's not surprised. He knows all these things before they ever happen. Are you grasping what I'm saying? This is why God can boldly proclaim that our salvation that he offers us is secure. And that it is a completed salvation with certainty. It's because he's already viewed our entire life and every possible scenario imaginable within that life. And whether or not we would have gotten saved. Take a little child that dies before the age of accountability. You say, well, that, he, he, got, he or she got lucky because we know they go straight to heaven. We know that according to Scripture. Well, how come they get to go straight to heaven without getting saved, but I have to wade through life uh, until somebody comes and witnesses to me and I finally get saved? Well, first of all, God already seen that person's life as if they had lived out a full life. You say, can God do that? <laughs> Folks, you need to grasp this concerning God. Every child that dies before they get a chance to accept salvation goes straight to heaven. Why? Because God has already seen every possible scenario imaginable within that person's life as to whether they would have gotten saved or not. It's why God can make such bold promises. It's because he's seen it all. And that ought to encourage you that nothing that goes on in your life or my life should surprise us. God's already seen it. And if he's allowed it, there's a reason for it. Isn't that why it says in the Bible, all things? Anybody want to finish that? Yeah, come on, somebody. All things work together for good. 
to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. All things, not just the things you and I want to say. This is why God can take a child at an early age, because he already knows whether that child would have gotten saved or not. He's already viewed their entire life as if they had lived a full life and found that they had lived a full life, and at some point in that life they would have gotten saved. He knows this. You say, that, that doesn't make sense to me. This is why you need to grasp this. Though it does not make sense to you, the Bible paints the picture for us. And I'll give you scripture here in just a moment. I know what you're thinking. Then why doesn't God take all of us at an early age who he knows is going to be saved? Brad, you didn't get saved till you were 17. Why didn't God just take you as a baby, knowing you would have gotten saved at 17 anyway? Because he's got to have somebody stick around to tell somebody else about what Jesus did. So if you're still here, you have a reason for being here. If you're here and you're saved, you still have a reason, and that reason is to tell somebody else. (laughs) How many of you have ever seen the movie Next? Okay, okay. Interesting movie, Sam. Interesting movie Uh, with Nicolas Cage. Here's a guy that that was uh, 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 born with the gift to be able to see 60 seconds ahead of everybody else. That's a Hollywood movie. So what does he do with that gift that he's got? And he goes to Las Vegas. And, and, he, and, he, and he gets, he, he's a part of a, ma- you know, a, a magic act, but that's not how he makes his money. He makes his money in the casino. Because he can see 60 seconds ahead of everybody else, which means he can see everybody's hand before they play it and decide whether he wants to. And, and it, it's just, a, it's really a great concept. While he's in the casino, he, he sees this guy going to rob somebody and kill somebody, and he saw it 60 seconds before it happened, so he prevented it because he saw 60 seconds ahead. Are you with me? Think about it. If a man can see every possible scenario imaginable within a 60-second time period in order to change the outcome of a situation and change history. Think what an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and eternally immutable God can do with eternity. All Nicolas Cage had was 60 seconds, and he was changing the future in a lot of people's lives. God has all eternity. Just because a baby dies at an early age doesn't mean God hasn't seen their entire life play out as if they had lived a full life. He sees every possible scenario imaginable within every human's life. If that doesn't encourage you, you say, I feel like a puppet. Oh, no, 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 free will reigns here. Did you not have the free will to come to church tonight or not? Free will. He didn't stop it. You still have free will. But here's the beauty of this. God has seen it all. Every bit of it. And so if somebody dies before the age of accountability, even though we'll miss them, God has already foreseen all of this. He foresaw whether that person would ever get saved or not. You say, how how can that be? Because number one, Scripture tells us that that is so. So well, you're going to have to show me that Scripture. I figured you'd want to know. Is it no wonder God who has the ability to see all things before they happen 
and who has the ability to see every possible scenario imaginable within every person's life can boldly proclaim that the salvation he's offered us is secure and that it is a completed salvation with certainty. This is God. This is the God that saved us. Isaiah 45, verses 1 through 4, and then I have one verse after it, and I'm done. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, what's the next two words? To, to Cyrus. Now, you, know, you, you do know that Isaiah chapter 45 was written around 700 B.C. You do know that. And you do know that the person Isaiah is talking about wouldn't be born for another 115 years. You say, God named a man who was yet to be born? Not just yet to be born, 115 years yet to be born. And said everything about his life and what he would do and whether he would be saved or not before he was ever born. So I never saw that. Well, let's read it and see it. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden. Oh, wait a minute, he's not born yet. To subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings through him. To open before him the two-leaved gates, talking about Babylon, and the gates shall not be shut. Of course, Cyrus was used of God before he was ever born to free the Jews from Babylonian captivity, which would take place over a hundred and some years later. Now, nobody knows that but God, yes or no? Well, how can God know that? Because he's seen it all before it ever happened. I mean, if a, a mere man like Nicolas Cage can see 60 seconds ahead of himself and change all sorts of scenarios, think what an eternal God can do who's omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent and eternally immutable. I, folks, we have such a wonderful God. You know, Lloyd, I, when, I, when I called Lloyd today, uh, I asked him if he was coming tonight, and man, he's been struggling health-wise, and I understood it. And my heart just goes, I, I wanted to pick you up because you, you, you bring me such joy. If you don't bring it to anybody else, you bring it to me. And I, I enjoy your presence because of how much you love the Lord. I just enjoy it. And so I, you know, I don't want you to sit home. I, I want you to be here because I'm selfish. It makes me feel better. Verse 2, I will go before thee, God said to Cyrus, and make the crooked places straight for you. I will break in pieces the gates of brass, talking about Babylon, and cut and sunder the bars of iron, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Now, Babylon, Babylon is the third great world empire, and I'm going to make you, Cyrus, the fourth great world empire. And so all the riches and treasures that they've accumulated from all their wars with everybody, I'm going to give to you. I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which called thee by name, am the God of Israel. Here it is, verse 4. For Jacob, my servant's sake, for my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by name, Cyrus. I have surnamed thee. Before you were born, I already named you. I knew what they were going to name you, so I named you the same thing. He said, now notice those last six words. 
though thou hast not known me. Cyrus never got saved. Cyrus never trusted a future Messiah to come to pay for his sins like Adam and Eve trusted in the garden. And Abel trusted, but his brother Cain didn't. No. Cyrus, before he was born, had opportunities to get saved, no doubt. But he never did. And God wrote it down. He said, I already saw this entire man's life, whether he would get saved or not. And I'm telling you, he never got saved. But I used him anyway for my purpose. That's a pretty awesome God. You and I that are saved, you and I that have had the privilege of understanding the gospel and and have gotten saved, (laughs) grasp this truth about God. He controls it all and knows it all because he's seen it all. Not 60 seconds ahead, eternity ahead of every one of us. God knows who's going to accept his invitation to salvation and who's not. Because he's already seen their entire life play out before they were ever born. The same was true of Jeremiah the prophet. God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, now watch this. Before I formed thee in the belly, Jeremiah, what's those next three words? I knew you. You say, I can't comprehend that as a human being. Well, You need to comprehend this because this will help you understand who God is. Who this Savior that saved you is. And before thou comest forth out of the womb, before you were ever a baby out in fresh air, he said, I set you apart to become my preacher. Because I know you'd get saved. Maybe Jeremiah didn't really understand salvation until he was nine years old or 15 years old. We have no idea. That the Bible doesn't say. But the Bible does say that Jeremiah ended up knowing the Lord. Otherwise, the Lord couldn't have set him apart like that. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God said, not only did I know Jeremiah was going to understand salvation before he grew up, I knew how I wanted to use him, God said. This is the truth you and I need to see for ourselves about God. The fact that God has already seen every possible scenario imaginable within a person's life and can thus with confidence promise us a completed salvation with certainty. Do you know how many Christians in America belong to denominations that believe you can lose your salvation? That somehow you got to help God keep you saved. You say, well, they pull that out of the Scriptures, though. Well, sure, an English translation of the original language can be pulled out of context. And by the way, there's only, (laughs) I I hate to (laughs) discourage anybody in here that might believe that, but out of the, oh, my goodness, how many verses 30-some thousand verses? Yeah. Only seven verses in the entire New Testament. Nothing in the Old Testament, mind you. Only seven verses in the New Testament. Only seven. Even appear to say you have to be good to keep your salvation. Only seven. You say, oh, I'd like to look at those seven. You need to look at those seven. And you need to look at them in the original language. 
Now, all I can say concerning this great truth about God is wow. Thank you, Lord, for being able to see all things and thus able to promise us a completed salvation with certainty. That, that's the, you know, certainty is the, uh, the uh, indicative mood, the mood of certainty. That's the Greek word. That's how it's parsed in the Greek. And, of course, the perfect tense, completed action. For we have become partakers of Christ. Once we got saved, everything Jesus gets, we get. And nobody's going to deny me of that. And nobody's going to deny you of that if you understand who God is. Now you know why Jesus could boldly say while he was on the cross, it is finished. Said, every sin ever committed paid in full you say well he didn't die for all my sins every sin including yours that didn't take place for another 2,000 years because Christ died 2,000 years ago every sin was finished Jesus said so he said it is finished salvation's complete And he can back it up because he sees everything and knows everything and can guarantee anything. Which he guaranteed me eternal life 53 years ago while I was hitchhiking in South Chicago. Which brings me to this and I'm done. (laughs) While I was up, while we were up in Minnesota being grandparents, we walked every day. Of course, you know, my gout didn't start until the second week we were there, but uh, we walked every day. And one morning, I just, my feet hurt. And I, she said, are you going or aren't you? And by the way, you have to understand where we're walking. We're, we're walking in Delwood, Minnesota. These are multi-million dollar homes nestled in trees with, I mean, every day, every day, you wake up, look out the window, see deer and turkey and foxes and every kind of wildlife imaginable. It's, it's, it's just like a little heaven on earth there. And they have a paved road, blacktop road, that goes all the way through the entire complex. So it's about a mile and a half, maybe two miles. And her and I would walk every day. That one day, I, I just said, I, I can't do this. I, I, and she, so she went without me. And, of course, when she got back, I thought, you know what, I still need to go. And so I put my shoes on. My feet hurt. But I said, I'm going to go. And she says, why why didn't you just go with me? I don't know. I'm getting old. You know, people get old, they they get old. (laughs) And so I took off. And when I came, do you remember the house that's been being worked on for two years? I mean, this is a, a million-dollar home, that's, and the landscaping alone is probably a million bucks, I, I'm just telling you. And so every time we'd walk by, there'd be Hispanic workers working on the place. And I would wave to them, you know, if they were looking my way, and they'd wave back, and we'd walk on. Well, I came up by them, and, and there was only two of them. The rest of them must have been in the front of the house or something, but there was only two of them. One was in a wheelbarrow, 
looking at his, yeah, he was taking a break, looking at his cell phone. And the other one, the bigger guy, he, he was on the ground with his knees up like this and his hands behind his head with his head over his eyes. And so uh, I, I waved at the guy in the wheelbarrow. The other guy couldn't see me, and he just waved. And as I was walking, I thought, you know, I ought to witness to these guys. I thought, no, they probably can't even speak English. I'd be wasting my time. So I walked probably a block. And a still small voice came to me and said, Matthew 28, 18. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. And I thought, stink. I got to turn around and go back. And while I'm walking the extra block back, the whole time I'm saying, you know, they can't even speak Spanish or English. I'm wasting my time here. But I know the verse. I know the voice. Voila, I'm back. As soon as I get there, they're still in the same positions. I said, hola, amigos. Hablas inglés. The guy in the crowd lifts his head up. He says, perfectly. <laughs> so I just walked up to him, realized they could both speak English perfectly. And I said, listen, I, I, hate, I know you guys are probably on break. Yep, yep. And I hate to take you from your break. But everybody on the face of the earth needs to hear what I heard 53 years ago. He said, well, you know, what did you hear 53 years ago? So I got to go into my testimony. After I got into my testimony, I asked them if they knew. Neither one of them, both in their 20s, neither one of them had any idea. I said, well, I said, you know, if you have to go to work, I won't, I won't. no, 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 go ahead. Oh, what an open invitation. Uh, long story short, both of them heard the gospel, both of them bowed their head, and both of them got saved. I'll never see these guys again. I, I, I just never will see them. By the time we get back up there, if we ever get back up there again, they might be done with that house. I have no idea. They've been working on it for a year and a half. Uh, but but they'll pro I'll probably never see these guys again. But wait a minute. Does God see them? When, when Philip, in Acts chapter 8, was told by the Lord to go and speak to an Ethiopian eunuch that was in his chariot reading the Bible, but he couldn't understand the Bible because he wasn't saved. Uh, did Philip go and talk to that guy? Did that guy get saved? What happened right after that Ethiopian eunuch got saved? The Bible says the Lord took Philip and raptured him right out of there. Philip never saw that guy again. But I'll guarantee you, God didn't lose track of that guy. And that guy went back to Ethiopia without a doubt and shared the experience that was shared with him in that chariot. Listen, we worry about everything. Our jobs, the money coming in, our health, uh, you know, whether we're going to be able to do this or do that. Listen, <laughs> we have a God that knows all things. He's already seen whether you're going to make it or you ain't. I'm glad you're still around. 
why we're surprised at anything in our life when God says, I've already seen it all. And you ought to be glad you just got saved. I don't know about you. I'm glad I just got saved. If, if I, I, w- I could have died a hundred times after I got saved, especially when I went into the military and became a, uh, a paratrooper. I mean, you know, my first jump, I hit the side of the plane and had a malfunction. <laughs> I could have I died then. But it's okay. Because God saw that this knucklehead wouldn't get out of the plane the right way. We were in a C-141 instead of our C-119s. And in C-141s, you're just supposed to skip out. Don't put your hands on the outside of the airplane like these other ones and push yourself into the prop glass. No. Skip out. But it was my first jump. And all I'd been trained during jump school was get your hands on the outside and give yourself a push into that prop glass so it'll throw you away from the plane. Well, the C-141s are different kinds of planes. And so I put my hands on the I just, you know, it kicked in, my training. And I didn't remember what they said. And so I got myself out into that prop blast and wham! Slammed right against the side of the plane. <laughs> Had a terrible malfunction and I should have died. That's, you've, you've all heard the story before. Here's the point. Stop being surprised at whatever happens in your life. God's not surprised. He's not somebody that sits up there and says, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen with Rex tomorrow. No, did, did you read the script? All I gave you was two scriptures, Isaiah and Jeremiah. All I gave you was two. I can give you tons more. God knows everything. And he knows whether a baby who died at birth would have gotten saved or not. That's why he can bring them home to glory. And the reason he leaves you and I around is because he has to leave somebody back to tell somebody else about Christ. Is that simple or what? And is God good or what? And Jesus said, it is finished. I don't know about you, but I'm going to heaven. There you go. Not because I'm good, because God's good. Look what he did for me at Calvary, which is the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion says, look what I've done for you. Christianity says, look what he did for me. That's the difference. God's good, amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for our time here tonight. I hope I didn't go too long. I pray that you'll bless these good folks. And Lord, uh, help us to encourage one another to smile often. There are a lot of things that don't bring smiles, our health, our wealth, or whatever. Lord, we need to know this great truth about you, that you have already seen it all. And with that knowledge that you have already seen it all, we have total trust in you. And if you said that we have a completed salvation, then we have a total trust that we'll be in glory for all eternity because of what Christ did for us at Calvary. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.